If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hello and welcome to Scran, the podcast passionate about Scottish food and drink. I'm your host, Rosalind Erskine, and every fortnight I'll be chatting to some of the best-known names, artisan producers and brewers and distillers in this diverse industry. From master blenders to local pub owners and celebrated chefs, Scran is your ultimate guide to eating and drinking your way around Scotland. In this episode, I'll be finding out about how bars and restaurants are planning to open their doors to customers again, after the Scottish Government announced that hospitality could open indoors from July the 15th, if health guidelines are respected. Coming up, I chat to head chef at restaurant Andrew Fairley, Stevie McLaughlin, about how Scotland's only two Michelin star restaurant plans to reopen with the new government guidelines in place. I mean, we spent a lot of time, you know, walking and talking and planning and thinking and discussing and looking at different scenarios so that when we came back to work, we actually had a plan in place. And then it was a case of getting that down with our seniors and our assistant managers and then getting it down in document, putting it into practice, bringing the team back and then good training. The Glasgow editor, Paul Trainer and I catch up over some Spanish tapas and I hear his thoughts on the Glasgow food and drink scene opening up again. It's really interesting. A lot of the, the restaurant folk that I've talked to, they've said that obviously they've been sitting around for four months, right? So they, they've had a pretty much once in a career opportunity to stop, look at their business, try and work out how it works, how to make it work better and just try and improve on things, I suppose. And a lot of people are coming back at this and they kind of feel like they're, they're launching a restaurant for the first time. I also speak to the owner of popular bars St Luke's and the Wing Docks and the Amsterdam, Michael Woods, about his plans to reopen inside and how the alfresco drink scene has gone. Oh, just hearing people in the pub, basically, hearing people laugh, joke, somebody talk to my customers, basically, you know, you really miss actually interacting with them. Nick Nairn is back on hand to give us his cooking tips. This time it's how to make a loaf of bread, which I'm sure many of us have tried during lockdown. The more water you've got, the better the bread's going to be, but more difficult it'll be to, to knead. They sift the flour, make a well in the centre. And finally, I discuss my lockdown food favourites and how to make a favourite drink at home. So highball can be quite a long glass, but I'm going for a short glass because they look the nicest in this household. Welcome back to Scran. As it's now mid-July, it has been a breakthrough week for hospitality. As I've previously mentioned, bars and restaurants can now open indoors. Of course, service will be different with things like social distancing in place, seated service, staff and PPE equipment, among other health guidelines. It's been a time of uncertainty for this industry and although starting back is a relief for many businesses, it still sparks questions about how this industry can operate as well as it did before. Naturally, I wanted to hear from those working in the hospitality and food and drink industry about how they're coping with these new changes. 
so I went to the straight to the top and spoke to restaurant Andrew Fairley's head chef Stephen McLaughlin about the planning process for reopening, what procedures have been put in place and what's on the menu at the Michelin starred restaurant. He also reminisces about the glory days of One Devonshire Gardens. How, well, first of all, how have you got on in lockdown? Was that a bit weird for you? Hi, lockdown was, uh, well, it started quick, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it started quick and I'll be honest, got quite quickly into it at home as well. Um, I mean, it was the first, it was, it was strange. It was almost like a, a almost like a holiday in a, in a, in a bizarre way. Mm-hmm. Really aware that the staff were safe and where they wanted and where they needed to be. Um, the restaurant was safely closed and we were just really kind of listening to what was the next instruction. So the first week, I mean, personally, the first week for me in my house was, it's almost like a bit of a party, party week, to be honest. We had nice teas, we drank well. And then, it, and, it, and then that kind of rolled into Easter holidays, so the kids were off as well, which was brilliant. And then it just, it just took, my, it took, took my wife to kind of go, here, hold on a second, mate, you're, you're not on a holiday. <laughs> we're here for a reason. And I kind of went, uh, yeah, you're right, okay. And then we quickly, quickly got into, I think we had maybe, we had maybe three or four different routines throughout lockdown. We kind of rolled into different stages of lockdown, I suppose, you know. And the first one was very much batting down the hatches. We had no idea what was coming. We knew why we were there. And well, I think, I suppose, around the house, we were a wee bit nervous. We didn't know what was coming or, or what was happening. You know, I mean, Boris had uh, gone into intensive care and lockdown was actually in. Mm-hmm. When I remember, I remember one night looking out, this, looking down the street late on, and looking and thinking, I'm like, okay, is this going to go? I get this, I get this invisible, invisible warrior potentially coming round the corner. And I remember looking at all the neighbours' houses and thinking, this is going to affect somebody I know. Mm-hmm. That's when it kind of dawned on me a couple of weeks into it. But then you know, you have a plan as a whole, and also as an employer as well. You get a, you get a plan for your staff as well. We kept in good contact with the staff, making sure that they were comfortable, they understood what was going on, and actually as well to let them know that it's okay to enjoy yourself. You know, you don't feel you have to be camped under the stairs. It's okay to enjoy yourself as long as you understand what's going on, you respect the situation. Have fun, guys. Enjoy yourself. Eat well, drink well, do some research, do some homework. The weather was fantastic. You get some, you know, if, if you get the opportunity, get some, get some sun in your skin. Because as chefs, as waiters, we don't necessarily do that because our working day is indoors when the sun's out. Yeah, and full on. Yeah, yeah. And there's a chance, there's a chance, a chance to take as well, a chance to take your foot off the gas as well, you know, so to speak. Yeah, and um, so you guys are you opening on the fifteenth? Yeah, we're back at it. Yeah, we're back at it on the fifteenth. What we've done is we brought the team back. Um, a week early so we were in last week the 8th is when the team came back um, basically to retrain and get a risk assessment in play that we could all have full access to understand ask questions and just kind of start to put that in play um, really really important that the staff safety staff well, welfare is high on the agenda and also customer welfare as well it's really really good Good, good understanding of where we are for everybody. Good under, you know, good understanding for the customers coming in, safety and confidence for everybody that you know they're coming to restaurant and fairly. And they, what they're looking at is you, you're going to get undoubtedly a restaurant fairly experience. You know, the most important thing, one of the most important things, is that the forefront of our thinking is you know to make sure that people are coming in and getting a restaurant and fairly experience because undoubtedly there will be changes in service and slight approaches to service are now a little bit different. But what people leave with is. Wow, that was brilliant. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Because obviously, you're, um, Scotland's only two Michelin star restaurants, so there's like an expectation there of how things might be. Does that go hand in hand with the restrictions? Like, what can customers expect in terms of 
the plans you have in place for social distancing or PPE or that kind of thing? Yeah, so I mean, the restaurant, we've reduced our capacity. We've removed tables um, to ensure the guests are distanced from each other. And the quality of the service isn't, you know, it's, it's not going to change on the back of that as well. But, but we've been fortunate that we're able to take tables out without the restaurant. I mean, the restaurant looks as full as it will be when every single table's here. Mm-hmm. So the, you know, so the opulence is there, this, you know, and the effort of the team is there as well. And um, have you got bookings like for opening or is it, is yeah. it open to book? Yeah. Hi. So, I mean, we were, I mean, like pre-lockdown, we were, I mean, we, we class ourselves, what we are is a 50 cover restaurant. Mm-hmm. So we can actually now do, depending on table configuration, we can do just over 40 covers. Well, that's not too bad. It's excellent. It's very, very good. It's very, very good. I mean, there was, you know, we've always remained, as we always do, remain really, really positive in our approach to what we do and how we do it. And the fact that we're able to take a couple of tables out, it's to our benefit as well, you know. It's to our benefit and it's to the customer's benefit. So our customers are, I mean, they're two metres apart easily, no problem at all. But they won't feel as if they're sitting in a half-full restaurant. The restaurant's almost full, you know. Mm-hmm. It actually is. By taking tables out, the restaurant is actually almost full. It's great. Kitchen-wise as well, you know, there's, I mean, there's a couple of changes to the way we work in the kitchen. The quality of the produce, the people we're working with, hasn't changed. It won't change. But then just a couple of little procedures that we've introduced, you know, the fridge and the freezer, for example, is now one person in at a time. And there's a one-in, one-out system, which is, that's now a rule in the kitchen. And there's an area, there's a narrow area that we could quite easily skip past in the beginning of March. But now there's actually one person works in that area. and Nobody else goes through there, and you know, there would be two meters marked out on the kitchen floor. Everybody's really, everybody's very aware of why, and everybody, and you know, if you do have to pass, kitchen rule now is we pass, you know, we pass each other back to back swiftly. That's what we do. And in in terms of a kitchen, it can get quite warm as well. Is that any kind of um, consideration for this type of thing, or is it just sort of you know keep your hands clean and you know keep away from each other? No, I mean keep away from each other as best we can. Yeah. Every hour, every hour we stop what we're doing, we hit the pause button for 90 seconds, let's say, and then we, you know, we sanitise our working areas. Everybody sanitises their working areas and then everybody washes their hands. And then in between that, in between the every hour moment, um, there's the alcohol, there's hand sanitizers available for everybody as well. So it's about keeping good, good hand washing, good training, good communication is key um, across the board. But again, you know, our, you know, we already had a great, we had very, very good hygiene standards in place. So all, all it is is just a little bit of refinement on that and just a little twist on our routines rather than a whole new start. So we're not starting from scratch and panicking. It's actually all we're doing is just keeping an eye on what we're doing and sharpening up what we already did. And in terms of staff, is um, is everybody able to come back despite the very slightly reduced capacity in the restaurant? I mean, what we did was we kept, yeah, we kept everybody on over lockdown and we had made that decision pre-lockdown to do that. Um, we didn't want to lose anybody. We wanted to come back as good as we closed. We wanted to come back to the exact same restaurant. We didn't want to change anything. There's always going to be a little bit of mileage. We had one person who was working their notice, which was fine, with six months' notice from one of our chefs. Plus, also a couple of the youngsters wanted to return home. So, again, through good communication, one of them wanted to return to Malta and another one from north of Scotland. So, one kitchen and one front of the house haven't come back but that's you know but that's not denting anything at all that we do so our numbers chef wise and our numbers front of house wise are very good but it's where we want to be and I mean you said you've you've come back early to do training and, and planning and things 
have you found that whole process quite not easy but has it not been difficult to take staff off furlough and plan for this has it been quite a seamless sort of way forward because I mean it's been um, very straightforward because of the way that we operate we do so much open and honest in what we do nothing is ever knee jerk in restaurant and feeling it never has been it's always everything everything we do is considered mm-hmm. whether it's how the menu feels how the room smells you know what the uniforms look like what the you know what the butter tastes like everything we do is considered you know via panel you know there's not one person saying this is how we're going to do it and follow me everything's it's a very egalitarian it's very fair it's very organized and self-disciplined towards the end of lockdown when we knew we were coming back to work dale who's a general manager myself i mean we spent a lot of time you know walking and talking and planning and thinking and discussing and looking at different scenarios so that when we came back to work we actually had a plan in place and then it was a case of getting that down with our seniors and um, our assistant managers and then getting it down in document, putting it into practice, bringing the team back and then good training from there on. And then that just and that just naturally distills through the through the ranks to the to the workflow. And um the government has reduced VAT on food and drink um but not alcohol. Do you think this is something that might benefit the restaurant at all? I'm not sure. I hope it will. I hope any change. I hope. I, I, I hope. I hope any changes that have been put in would benefit the restaurant. And also, it's it is a, as I've said, like fine dining establishment. Obviously, it's you know you've got bookings, and it's one of those experiential things. And hope you know, obviously, it doesn't sound like it's going to impact. You know how you can go some places now and think, oh, is it going to be weird? And it might be a bit weird. Yep. It's obviously it doesn't sound like it's going to be there. But is there a chance for you guys at all to use any of the grounds at Glen Eagles? Because it's quite a, got a big, quite law, quite big lawn and stuff. So I don't know if you would maybe have the option to go outside or whether you're just going to outdoor dining. No, we're, I mean we're listen. We're not. We don't need to. We've got plenty of space here. We can do. We can cater for forty plus covers. We don't need to take anything outside. And um, that's 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 the hotel's domain. If they. You know, if they want to do outdoor barbecue stations or if they want to do something, you know, kind of summer themed or, or garden party themed, then it's the perfect environment for the hotel to do that. What we are, I mean, we're, you know, we're one service a night. We're dinner only operation. The restaurant, the menu, the style's geared for intimate indoor dining. So we've no, no, no inkling. It hasn't even crossed their mind to do anything outside. And um, do you reckon that the way things are right now, do you think that could affect like the Michelin inspectors going forward? Because you know, obviously, they usually go out and about and um, come to the restaurants and you know make their decision on whether or not people are getting to keep their stars. Do you think that that might be on pause, or do you reckon that they'll just carry on and it will happen as normal? No, I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure it'll carry on exactly exactly as it was. You know, you could have had we we could have had an expect an, an inspection on the 10th of March. The you know they're completely incognito. We do not know when they're coming. And again, you know. On Wednesday, the first person through the door could be a Michelin inspector. God, imagine that. <laughs> but that's, you know, but that's part of the world that we live in. You know, every single customer needs to be looked after in the same way as anybody. Nobody, you know, there's no special treatment for anybody. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, you need to be every single, not not every single person, every single plate needs to be right out the top drawer every single time. And that's something that we've always, always, always done for you know, coming on twenty years now. It's that's never going to change. But Michelin will be back. You know they're, you know they're, you know they're back at work. We've got a very good relationship with Michelin. Um, communications are good. You know they've been in touch to see what our plans were for coming back and if any, if if it would impact at all hugely marginally. They will do that with every restaurant, I'm sure. Yeah. It's just 
more than anything, it's just really, really exciting to be back doing what we love doing, doing it with the people we love doing it with, doing it with the team. I had a moment on, we had a classroom situation in the restaurant where we had the whole team and we were going through a COVID procedure, but then the following day was the first day I was in my lights for three months plus. And there was a moment quite early on in the morning when I'm standing in the kitchen and I'm looking about. It's quite an emotional thing, you know, to be standing and looking at your, at your friends, at your colleagues and going, I've missed being in my uniform. I've missed standing here. I've missed all you guys so much. It's such a, genuinely such a thrill to be back in the middle of the kitchen, looking at everybody in physically in great condition, mentally in great condition, and never be ready to rock. Yeah, because as much as it's been sort of, in a way, nice to have a wee bit of a break, you do kind of think, well, it's been like four months. Yeah, it's a long time. It's, I mean, you know, and, and it got to the stage where chatting with the guys on Zoom or, or phone calls, then they're asking you when we come back. You could feel they were champing about to come back. We didn't have any information for them. We didn't want to try and guess, but it could be. We just waited until we were told, okay, Scottish restaurants can open on the 15th. Brilliant. That was like a dancer. So then you can actually start getting yourself match fit again. Because what we do in Jack, we close in January for the whole month. So this, so the way we closed and the way we opened is not dissimilar to what we would do in January and then go into February. So we, we closed for the whole month in February. There's lots of maintenance done. There's lots of deep cleaning done. The team are all away. They've just received their December wage. They've received their six monthly tips. So everybody's got a fistful of dollars. And then they go their, you know, they go their annual holidays. And that's when our team gets annual holidays. And there's, you know, the team are all over the place. Some are traveling Scotland, some are in Brazil, some are in Scandinavia, some are going to Australia, Thailand. It's, it's brilliant. So the way we closed and the way we opened was quite similar, but what happened in between was very different. Everybody was locked down. Yeah. And um, in terms of um, the restaurant, um, obviously, like last year, Andrew fairly passed away. Um, and how important is it to you just to sort of carry on his legacy? I, I don't imagine that you're going to have any big drastic changes in the restaurant. Are you just quite happy to carry on doing what you've always done with the quality and what, you know, the fine dining experience that people expect? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. The, what is, I mean, what is the shining light is Andrew's legacy. That's, I mean, I, listen, I don't know if you know my history. I worked with Andrew for 26 years. I worked with Andrew for a long time. Dale's worked with Andrew for 20 years, you know. So, I mean, what, what, what restaurant Andrew Fairley is, is ingrained in both of us, you know, and we are leading our teams and we are, you know, and we are showing, you know, we are showing the Andrew Fairley way. We are, you know, we are carrying the flag and uh, it's our job to maintain the legacy. Quality will never change. We're not, you know, we buy the best ingredients that we can get our hands on and we don't do too much to it. Quality and the consistency of what we do will remain. What we want to do is year on year become a better restaurant. And if that's introducing a new brilliant product or if it is, you know, changing changing the music, if it's introducing a different uniform, if it's maybe a couple of new main course plates, that's, I mean, that's how we evolve and develop. We are not running at this, it's a very, it's a very natural, very organic, it's a very angry feeling we are working. It was the one Devonshire Gardens you guys were at, wasn't it? Yeah. It was literally yeah. two two minutes down the road from me here. <laughs> where, where are you? Are you in the West End? Yeah, if I hang out my window, I'm in a block of flats near it. If I hang out my window, I can see it, which is fun when famous people used to stay there. <laughs> yep. No, that, listen, that's why I, that's one of the reasons why I ended up at One Temperature Gardens because I knew that's where Pavarotti was. I knew that's where Madonna, the Spice Girls, and I thought, wow, I, I want to work there. That must be the best place. Yeah. That must be the best place in Glasgow. I want to work there. And I passed, I passed One Temperature Gardens every day to and from college. Mm-hmm. So I knew it was the best place. And then you kind of, you know, you see Pavarotti getting under Michael <laughs> Jackson getting shipped in. You think, wow, that's, that, that, that's where I want to work. 
no idea what the food was, no idea who the head chef was, but that's the best place I want to work with. Yeah, it was it was funny. I remember take that or Robbie Williams one year and being like, oh my God. <laughs> um, it, so yeah, just quickly, one last question. What's, um, what's on the menu? So what can people expect when they, when they show up for dinner on Wednesday? Wednesday, we've got well, our signature dish. Um, we've got the home smoked Scottish lobster, um, warm lime and herb butter. We've got some beautiful, I'm going to get some secret garden produce. So we've got some, uh, you know, we've got summer beetroots, we've got herbs. You're going to see wild strawberries, Perthshire berries, beautiful borders, wild rhodia as well, and Scottish rolls. When I say we buy the best we can, it is without a word of a lie, so much of it's Scottish. Yeah. Um, and access, you know, we got a secret garden as well, which we grow. At this time of the year, typically you would see 95% of the vegetables and herbs that we serve would be coming from a secret garden. But unfortunately, lockdown was there, so the garden was on pause. But the way that the garden had been set up at the end of March was that at this time of year, we would, so we, we've been growing vegetables that are not labour intensive. So basic, basic maintenance could get us to a place now where we can open with the uh, summer chard. Um, sweet beetroots, choggier beetroots, wild strawberries, beautiful herbs. Sounds good. I, um, I actually yeah. spent my birthday a couple of years ago at the Secret Garden. It's lovely. Did you? Yeah, it was a press thing, but it was also my birthday. So I was like, I'm just going to go and take the excuse to have afternoon tea and some champagne. And <laughs> wow. Yeah, who, was, who, was, who was all down that day? Um, it was me. There was, um, you know, Flora, who was on the Bake Off, who's got the bakery up in Dunkeld. Yes. She was there with her mum. It was me um, and my partner and there was Kate Devine was there, I'm sure, and her husband. And I think there was maybe only a couple other people. It was like a small trip. um, And it was like, it was the launch of the Secret Garden afternoon tea um, a couple of years ago. And it was lovely. It chucked it down all day, but it was still really nice. Nice to see it. Yeah, typical. Yeah. So you would have met Joe? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. She's fabulous. Yeah, really, really interesting. She's an absolute, she's an absolute star. Yeah. Um, so do you do you still have like a relative amount of input in the garden or does she kind of just do her thing and you take the No, produce? no, I mean, it's not, no, again, everything's done, everything's done as a team. And I mean, we're in, we're, I mean, we're in our seventh year of growing for the, for the kitchen now, you know, and Joe's, Joe's a kitchen gardener. That's what she does. She grows food for chefs. That's what she does, you know, so we are, I mean, blessed. It was really, fortunate and kind of karma call it what you want just at the time and when we were looking for a gardener and Joe was looking for a job Joe's you know Joe was a lead gardener in charge of vegetables at Le Manoir at the time you know so Joe now almost almost into year seven we really tailored what we grow for us so we'll have so we'll be having conversations just now for what we want produce wise next year oh, wow. as a chef I know what we can and can't have I know what works the first couple of years, we went hell for leather and we grew 10 varieties of tomatoes. Wow. Which, when you hear that, you think, well, that's amazing, that's brilliant. But then, you know, after a point, we actually said, you know, these tomatoes, we don't love them. They don't really work for us. It's a pain in the ass for Joe to grow and maintain. And crucially, Joe doesn't really like tomatoes anyway, so she's got no love for these bloody things. So we don't grow tomatoes now. But then we replaced the space with, you know, extended... Uh, you know, extended day uh, growings for various basils, um, different soft herb as cresses. So, it's, so it's all. I mean, as a restaurant, it's always it's always just gently unfolding in little areas, giving us access to things that we've never, that we've never had before. But what we like, what we like to do with our vegetables and herbs and cresses is, it's, I mean, it's I mean, it's um, heritage varieties. It's true baby vegetables, and it's you know, I'll, 
so much of it is things you cannot buy. It's simply vegetables that are unique to us. Um, but yeah, I think that's probably everything. But thank you very much for your time. That's okay. No worries at all. Okay. Lovely. Thank you very great much. To, great to talk to you, Rosalind. Nah, no worries at all. Speak to you soon. Speak to you later. Okay, bye. Cheers, bye-bye. Bye-bye-bye. That was a really interesting conversation with Stevie and it's great to hear that customers can still expect outstanding service at restaurant Andrew Fairley. Plus, it's nice to hear his thoughts on how he's carrying on Andrew's legacy. Next up, I speak to Glasgow's editor, Paul Shainer. This interview was actually recorded in person for the first time in what feels like about five years. It was so nice to see a guest face-to-face. We caught up at the newly opened Cranside Kitchen in Finiston in Glasgow for some Spanish tapas courtesy of Rioja which is a small Spanish restaurant that would not normally be able to open at this time. For anyone who doesn't know, the Glasgowist is a site dedicated to Glasgow where, amongst other things, you can get lots of food and drink news. Paul is the editor there and is a good friend of mine. He's also spent the last few months chatting to producers and business owners in the city about what's been happening. So we're finally out and about. We are at Cranside Kitchen uh, in Finiston in Glasgow. Um, It just opened on Monday because beer gardens can open now in Scotland. And I am joined by Paul Trainer, who is the Glasgowist. Um, hi, Paul. Hi, Roz. Do you know, I was just thinking this is kind of appropriate because I'm pretty sure the last functional uh, like pint in real life was you were there as well. Like, yeah. Just, just when all these rumours of close downs and what was going to happen in the future was happening. We were at the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society having a whiskey not a care in the world. Yeah. Which was in March. <laughs> But it, I mean, it did feel like it was not going to last as long as this, and it's it's very no. it's very odd to be four months, one hundred and six odd days in, and finally being back out sitting in public eating. Yeah, which is it's, it's simple it, pleasure in yeah. life for us. <laughs> but it feels like I thought it would feel weirder than it does. It actually, I mean, despite the lack of music, it actually feels relatively normal. Yeah, and I think like. This is this is the first week of it, so this is probably like the second or third time that I've been able to have a look at something like this. And I think people probably overestimate how different it is. I mean, it does feel a bit odd, there's certain different uh, circumstances, but lots of predictions about people, how people are going to react. At the end of the day, it's just a beer garden. Yeah. We have been able to do this before and we will be able to do it again, I hope. Well, this so this is my first time coming out of lockdown, but you were at SWG3, which opened up on Monday. They've got quite a big space. Was it a little bit different in terms of like temperature checks, um, PPE or anything? It was temperature checks. People were making, the, uh, you know, I suppose, I suppose the, the main difference for that one is it's like a really huge space. So you've got your own picnic table that's, that's kind of demarked. You've got a circle around yourself. So you know where your area is. It kind of feels like sitting in a, a delicious prison yard where you can still <laughs> enjoy food. But I think everyone really got a buzz out of seeing each other from a distance again. I suppose you forget that you know you're used to kind of seeing the familiar faces when you mm-hmm. go to certain parts of town. So that was kind of good. Louis Capaldi was there as well. He seems oh, to enjoy nice. it. Yeah, where people that must have been weird because no one can really go up to anyone. We're folk like trying. Yeah, so he, he, he avoided selfies, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> because you can't really do that from a social distance. And so do you think things like this are going to continue on just as we come out of this? Like, do you see a future of a lot more beer gardens in Glasgow despite all the licensing laws? Here's the thing, right? So with Glasgowist, I'm kind of giving running up updates and commentary uh, whenever anything comes up and opens. And the vast majority of people are super enthusiastic, ready to go to along to it. But then you'll get people who genuinely kind of feel like they always mention rain and stuff, but... We must be able to get to a situation where we can sit outdoors and, and still be able to enjoy ourselves. I mean, once people move indoors, maybe the, the 
compunction to actually sit out. But we have to remember that sitting outside is, is the safest option. Yeah, that's true. And the weather has been mentioned a lot, but we're, we're kind of used to it. I just feel there's ways and means it and... and at this stage, after four months, I think I'd probably be happy to sit in snow. <laughs> I'm not going to complain about very much these days, Ross. I mean, we might. If this continues on and we need to be outside, we might come December yeah. and be like... <laughs> it's really interesting. A lot of the, the restaurant folk that I've talked to, they've said that obviously they've been sitting around for four months, right? So they, they've had a pretty much once in a career opportunity to stop, look at their business, try and work out how it works, how to make it work better. And just try and improve on things I suppose and a lot of people are coming back at this and they kind of feel like they're, they're launching a restaurant for the first time despite the fact they might have been in business for 20 years So it's been quite positive then the folk you've spoken to in Glasgow Well I mean it's certainly it's certainly resigned to their fate and willing to get on with it um, I think most people feel that there's something that can be done here and I suppose people are very encouraged by the reaction that people are. People do have a very uh, strong desire to support local businesses, I, I think, and and do have a, a you know like you know restaurant folk have been saying that once they they, they start opening their doors and they see folk in, people are always greeting because they want they want to give them well you can't give them a hug but you know yeah they're really happy to be in their own places. Oh, here's my food. Here's our food. So our food's arrived. It's covered over. Yes, please. Yeah, stick it there. Yeah. Thank you. Well, that smells great. Thank you. It's like being on my holidays. <laughs> okay, thank, thank you. you. Uh, I'm just struck by the fact that this is the Rioja menu that we're having tonight, and that is a small unit in Finiston, and they wouldn't be able to open. They won't be able to open. I don't think beyond like, even if we do, get people back indoors. So. Yeah, so it's a good opportunity, like this kind of thing, giving smaller restaurants an opportunity to reopen within a different outdoor space, which would be nice to see replicated elsewhere. You know, there's this, there's this, there's this, but not really heard of anything else. Shall I stop and we'll eat? Sure. So we've just finished our dinner, which was Rioja Tapas. Very nice. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting here under the sun. And there, is, the there is sun as well, yeah. which is Confirmed. new for, for the last couple of weeks. So I was going to ask you, um, recently a couple of big name restaurants in Edinburgh have shut down, so uh, the Tower Restaurant in Castle Terrace won't be reopening after lockdown. Do you reckon that's something that we might see here, or is it just a completely different ballgame? I think Glasgow is slightly more insulated because Edinburgh definitely has a much higher reliance on tourism, and it's probably... You know, entire businesses have, have geared their whole model around the, the wave of American tourists that arrive for a certain amount of months of the year and then they just coast it out for the rest of the year. Glasgow has always been a lot more rooted into the neighbourhoods and making them work uh, first. So I think it's going to be a big challenge and it might stretch into next year before we see what the, the full picture is going to be, but I'm a little bit more a little bit more confident that people can trade our way out of the position that we find ourselves in. And do you think things like this, more things like this might pop up? I mean, in an ideal world, I think that, you know, George Square, you could utilise spaces like that. We don't really have a lot of um, riverside or canal side sort of scene yeah. food and drink. Do you reckon this could open all up or do you think they'll stay to their... I, I hope that this is the start of something. I hope that we get more progressive in terms of our use of public space. I hope that we start thinking about how we can share public space a bit better. We're very, very conservative with a small C in this city when it comes to like how we use street space. And I think Edinburgh and you know even Aberdeen, people talk about the weather here. Jesus, what more worse than <laughs> Aberdeen that yeah. is here. But they still manage to uh, have some kind of outdoor area. But the licensing laws, though, 
Yes, it, it always comes back to that. And you know, the, the, there's no uh, knee-jerk reaction right now, but if we can prove that there's potential, untapped potential, to create jobs and create a better public realm, then I hope people will act on that and that this isn't the... The last time that we'll be sitting out on a picnic bench <laughs> in the enjoying, sunshine, enjoying tapas. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think the people were, are going to be drunk in the streets or in public and pee in places they shouldn't, whether or not they've had to take a wee pint. Well, I mean, but... that wasn't my plan for the rest of the year. <laughs> but I do take your point. I mean, that it, has been known to, it has been known to happen in certain parts of the city. I just really have every confidence that if people do things right, then behaviour adapts and there's certain people that are going to do stuff and eat. That doesn't mean that we can't have nice things. Yeah. So hopefully long, hopefully this continues. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for dinner. No one was paying. <laughs> now from Spanish Tapas to Pub Grub, I spoke to Michael Woods, owner of two bars in Glasgow, about his lockdown experiences. From his takeaway pints being banned by Glasgow Council to now opening indoors, he shares that the pub scene is far from what it used to be, which included people dancing on tables, but he's glad to be back with his customers again. You've been, so you've opened both beer gardens in St Luke's and the Dam from yes. July the 6th, yeah. Um, but before that you were doing takeaway pints. How did you find that? Ah, you know, that was really well, wasn't it? Um... I think as well, there's only a few places in town that were actually doing the takeaway thing. Mm-hmm. Um, not everybody was coming around and, and, and welcoming it, you know, so everybody was well behaved, um, coming up and getting a thing, being very respectable, so aye. It, it Until the council decided to stop it. <laughs> yeah, aye. the council decided to stop it, which was very unfortunate, but um, I think it was a bit crazy. We're going by a, a, floor, a, a case of beer. Glass bottles of beer in the corner for a pound a bottle, more or less, you know, which is more dangerous than having a plastic pint at a reasonable price, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think it's crazy. So, currently, for your beer gardens, what measures um, have you got in place for like the social distancing and stuff? Yeah, so at the moment, we're doing the, the two meter rule, obviously, through the government guidelines. We're doing a one way system as you come into the bar, use the toilets. And all customers wearing masks as they came in to go to the toilet, basically. Mm-hmm. So, um, obviously, our staff will all get their PPE, you know, their visors and their, their masks as well if they, if they want to wear them, you know. So, so I'm keeping everybody two metres apart, basically. So, wiping down all the tables every every time somebody leaves, basically. And somebody in the full time cleaning the toilets. So, somebody's used them, basically. Yeah. So, all the good measures. And then... Um- how how have you found it and how have customers kind of um, been towards it all? Customers have been really good with it, actually. I mean, I've noticed a lot of bars that's kind of run about. I've not been adhering to the, the same rules as what we're doing. And the customers are just kind of going with what they're doing. So because we've actually set up properly and done the two-meter rule, the customers are, are being really respectable in that as well. Because um, they've all been jumped to our tables, talking to their pals. They've been, they've been actually been really responsible which is good yeah I think the long one if, if they're not responsible it could be a, a bigger effect in the, the bigger picture basically if we get another um, another blast of this COVID-19 yeah so a second wave kind of thing so I think most people have no one in the second wave so aye they'll be quite different that's good so as of the 15th of July restaurants and pubs are going to be able to open indoors 
Yeah. What preparations have you got for that? So again, that's down to the, the one metre rule and the, the, the 15 comes in. So basically are the same kind of rules apply for the outside. Our staff are, are, are well, well PPE'd up. So it's over the same one-way system. Uh, somebody had to clean the toilets right away. Uh, and just really talking to our customers when they came in and, and giving them the, you know, the rules and, and how it really worked and talk to each other and talk to us if, if they feel if any, any issues or any problems, you know. They're saying that um, when pubs open, the whole experience will change in terms of there's to be no standing at the bar, there's to be yep. screens, it's between seating areas, reduced background music, amongst other things. That's right. How do you think customers are going to like respond to that? Um, I mean, I think they'll just fall into it. I mean, people are desperate to get back in the socialising to some extent. You're not going to get the same kind of atmosphere as, as what you would in a normal Friday night in money or bars, you know, where you can't move, people shoulder to shoulder, they're dancing in the tables. <laughs> so that's it's just not going to happen for a long time. So it'll be a change, you know, there'll be a change in I and people's attitudes coming out. So it'll not be like a big Friday night out again, like we used to have, but I mean, it'll be. Tales of two and four, just more kind of civilised to an extent, I would say. Yeah. So I guess we just need to see the customers react to things when they come in, but we said we're all going to have uh, some light music in here, and um, aye, we'll take it as it comes, I think, when it comes to that. And are you still going to be offering um, food takeaway? I know you were doing that from the dam, it was really good. Yeah, yeah, we'll be doing that, uh, food takeaway, because it's been working really well, and uh, my customers are absolutely loving our food, so... I wouldn't like to disappoint them that's in the house that feels uncomfortable still at the moment that it can't come out. So cause a lot of people are still shielding and I know we've had uh, some staff that have been concerned that have come in and working and dealing with, dealing with customers because of the, the situation. But um, aye, so we'll definitely, definitely just to keep it up to for this stuff to keep everybody, everybody pleased at home. And also the government has reduced VAT on food and drink, but it doesn't extend mm-hmm. to alcohol. Yeah, I've seen that, yeah. So that's probably going to have a big effect on pubs that don't serve food. Yeah. And there's been pushback from the Scottish Wholesale Association. Mm-hmm. So how do you think that would affect your business? I mean, you do serve food, so it's probably not going to be... It's not going to be massive, but as you said, we do sell food, so food and soft drinks. So that'll, that'll help us out there and things like that and help the customer out there, you know. So, um, yeah, but alcohol thing, I'm... I'm, I'm they should have included that, I would think, because there's a lot, as you say, clubs that just uh, were led, and uh, it's, it's a wee bit unfair in them, basically. But again, the government probably, I don't know if they're going to change their mind at another point, but I doubt it very much. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> what I said, Nicola. <laughs> yeah, it's been a bit of a, an ongoing guessing game. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. You could have one week changes for the next, so. So yes, so as of tomorrow, you're going to be open. What's the first? What's the thing you're looking forward to most? Do you think about actually having folk inside? Oh, just hearing people in the pub, basically hearing people laugh, joke, um, talk to my customers, basically. You know, what I mean? you really miss actually interacting with them. I mean, it's been good to see them all outside, and I give it. I love your customers inside, seeing uh, seeing how good your bar is, and, and having the the atmosphere of, of what you create, basically. So I'm really excited to see that. It's seen people's reaction coming back in there, you know, and, and getting them they, they feel comfortable again, basically. Uh, I think it's going to be a nice, a nice feeling, you know. So I definitely look forward to that. Yeah. Oh, actually, are you guys doing bookings? Like, do customers have to book first? Yeah, okay, we're doing bookings. Uh, we're doing two of our slots 
bookings, but uh, we're still saving some tables for walk-ins, but uh, I'll still need to take every details for tracing, so the main contact on the table will be taking you know, so um, I that's how that one works. And are you guys, are you basically just writing that down and like keeping it for a bit and then chucking it, or are you doing like an app-based thing? Are we, um, we're going to do the app-based thing, I think because the Amsterdam that's a bit small, I don't think, I mean, the customers are sort of uh, 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 staff sort of PT so I think it's pretty easy still want that we personal touch in here yeah. I mean as long as uh, the customers are happy with that and they feel comfortable I would like the staff to get up and start talking to them basically telling them about a menu around just looking at the app just take that back that, that, you know so mm-hmm. I don't want you to lose that personal touch there I certainly think you know um, and the customer details as well is that going to be just like as they arrive just kind of yeah. write it down yeah yeah, well, when people phone up, obviously, we take the main, the main customer's details and, and their number and their address and email, basically. So if there's any issues, we get contact for that tool table. Yeah. Uh, if we get a walk-in, it'll be the, the same issue. Okay. So we'll take other details there. So nice, yeah, spot on. Yeah, sounds good. Perfect. Well, um, good luck with it all, and I'll hopefully see you soon. I'll definitely, definitely see you soon. Uh, I can do it for a beer shortly. Well, sounds good. I'll need to pop in soon, have a drink and say hello. Definitely. 100%. <laughs> I just want you to come in. It's, um, no, I'll see you. A cute table. <laughs> like, plenty of shots. <laughs> oh, gosh, shots. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring the dog as well. Uh, definitely. That'd be good. Definitely. Definitely bring a dog. We'll get a dog of the week. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That needs to be Archie at some point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Great. Thank you very much. No problem. I'll talk to you soon. Speak to you later. Cheers. Take care. Bye. 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 Nick Nairn is back in the kitchen sharing his cooking tip. This time it's how to make a well-baked loaf of bread, which must smell amazing. Okay. So to make bread, um, you need bread flour, um, you need salt, you need a little bit of fat, and you need some water. Yeast, obviously. So you don't need a machine. The more water you've got, the better the bread's going to be, but more difficult will be to, to knead. They sift the flour, make a well in the centre, heat the water up to 40 degrees centigrade, add some salt, some sugar, your yeast, either dried or fresh. Uh, I add a splash of oil and then pour that into the, the centre. I try and get hydration, a ratio of flour to water of 70%. Kilo of flour, 700 grams of water, 700 mils of water. And then bring it together and knead it for about six or seven minutes. Then leave it to prove for about an hour, hour and a half at room temperature or prove it overnight, even better, prove it overnight in the fridge. Okay. And then form it into a uh, uh, knock it back. Um, uh, you can get away with knocking it back. Knock it back, form it into either a tin or into a round um, and pour it in the oven. Is it the right temperature? It's quite hot. I like to get my loaves onto a hot baking tray. So put the baking tray and have it preheated in the oven. And it depends on the size of the loaf, how long you cook them, depends whether they're in tins or on their own. I would say if you're going to learn how to make bread, you need to watch some YouTube videos because it's, 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 it's all about technique. Thanks, Nick. Bread making was popular past time during lockdown. And now that yeast is actually back on the shelves, we can all give it a go. Finally, here's my lockdown food and drink of choice, which you can try at home. Hello and welcome back to my kitchen in Glasgow for a kind of semi-lockdown cuisine special. This week, restaurants and pubs inside will be reopening and pub beer gardens have been open since the 6th. So there's actually been some trips out and about, um, as you'll have heard with Paul and I at Cranside Kitchen. Still kind of keeping to home where possible, um, which is more often than not. 
So because of that, I am still enjoying the takeaways that restaurants are offering. One of these was from Merenda, hope I'm saying that right, in Edinburgh. They were doing a delivery pretty much from the very start of lockdown, a delivery service. And it was of normal sized portions, although they're normally a small plates restaurant. So last week they went back to that kind of ethos and it was a taste of Barcelona menu. So it was like tapas style to be delivered. But luckily I managed to meet Campbell, the chef and owner in South Queensbury because I was in Fife visiting my family for the first time and uh, we had a, a quick meet up at South Queensbury. I picked up the food and brought it back to Glasgow because obviously that we wouldn't normally go this far um, and it was brilliant. It was very easy. His instructions were um, the thing that you cook the longest right the way down to the thing you didn't need to cook at all. Um, just take the oven on, cook them for I think the longest was 20 minutes and it was um, eight courses and we got some sangria cava so it was a little bit different um, lovely and refreshing really nice meal great way to end the weekend I also did a live cook along with chef Nico Simone um, who's got the six by Nico restaurants so to celebrate them opening um, they're opening on the 17th in Edinburgh and Glasgow he did a live cook along of one of the dishes from the chippy 2 menu and it was the steak pie and again pretty easy um, nice to sort of see and speak to him beforehand and um, cooked a, a nice dish at home. Drinks wise, I am looking forward to another little wine tasting with Diana Thomason from Wine Event Scotland. I've also got a gin tasting coming up with the Old Curiosity Distillery in Edinburgh. They're launching a gin with Aldi, so that'll be quite interesting. We're doing a Zoom, a Zoom chat and a Zoom distillery tour. Um, anyone who's been listening to Scran for a while will know that Hamish Martin, the owner of the Old Curiosity Distillery in the Secret Herb Garden, was one of my first guests, really interesting guy, really good chat. So if you want to listen back to that, it's available wherever you get your podcasts. And I'm going to just make a quick whiskey highball. The Edinburgh Film Festival went online this year. I think it was maybe last week. And Johnny Walker at the sponsors. So I have some Johnny Walker here because why not? Um, anyone that's been kind of keeping on up with the Scotsman Food and Drink news will know that as of next year Johnny Walker will look very different because they are going to package it up in a plastic free bottle made from paper so it's pulp so it's completely um, green eco it looks totally different it looks quite cool so if anyone wants to find out more about that it's on the website and it was in the paper this week as well so what I'm going to make is a Johnny Walker highball with Bonacord ginger beer um, because it's supposed to be summer, the garnish is going to be a nectarine because I got some lovely nectarines from my Lock of War veg box this week. So as usual, we're just going to need some ice. And a glass. So highball can be quite a long glass, but I'm going for a short glass because they look the nicest in this household. So short Johnny Walker. And it's Bon Accord ginger beer, 100% naturally sweetened. So Bon Accord were doing drinks deliveries. I'm sure that they probably still are. They're based in Edinburgh, so it's good to support a local business. And just pour that in. And I'll just pop in the garnish of the nectarine. And give it a stir. And there you go. Cheers. Cheers. 
thanks again to my guests, Stevie McLaughlin, Paul Trainer, Michael Woods and Nick Nairn. And of course, thanks to you for listening to this episode of Scran. I'll be back on the 31st of July. Until then, please rate and review us. I'd be keen to hear what you think of the podcast and remember to follow me on Twitter at Rosalind Erskine. Like any foodie, a five-star review is what we're after, so please get rating Scran. This is a laudable production and you can get Scran wherever you download your podcasts. But for interactive content, including guest pictures and other related links, download the Entail app, which is available on Android and Apple. This episode was presented and co-produced by me, Rosalind Erskine, and co-produced, edited and mixed by Morvan McIntyre.